Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 83. In today's show, we'll be talking with Gina Catalano, author of Tandem Leadership, How Your Number Two Can Make You Number One. Gina is the founder of Venture Solutions and is going to be sharing with us an innovative strategy for business owners and entrepreneurs to work with the number two or second-in-command leader in their company to achieve success in all areas of their lives. Good morning, Gina. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Uh, It's great to have you on the show today. Gina, tell us what led up to the writing of Tandem Leadership. Well, Craig, I have been working with a number of my clients, and I started to notice this pattern. I tend to work with people who have desires to grow their business and scale it. And a lot of times, a lot of the folks I work with were people that were inventive and creative and tended to have the intellectual property for their company. And they struggled when it came to the growth at some phase. For everybody, it's a little different. And when I dug deeper into it, I realized that a lot of them had issues with letting go of all the responsibilities and getting really used to doing everything. And when I picked it apart, I found that they needed to get an idea of how to do that and share it. I also grew up riding bicycles, and bicycles always meant freedom. And I always think that The word entrepreneur is really a code name for freedom, and the two things kind of came together. As I started looking at the way somebody works together, why a bicycle works together using two wheels, it kind of came together. And I also know that entrepreneurs and business owners like stories, especially I came out of the manufacturing world, and we really like stories. We are visual people. And we want to be able to see what's in front of us. And sort of the story started growing, and I started practicing some different things and developing some tools. And before I knew it, I had a book called Tandem Leadership. I like your analogy with the bicycle side and the tandem side. And what comes to mind after decades of riding bicycles myself, and I'm still doing it, so I still haven't grown up, I guess. But the element of balance comes to mind, too, of balancing a business and balancing bicycling when you're cycling. So interesting alignment there. Tell me, when you're dealing with business owners, what kind of symptoms come out to you that scream, it's time for tandem leadership? The easiest one is uncontrolled growth or the inability to not take orders anymore or missing opportunities. For a sales-oriented CEO, which are most of them, the idea of turning down business is a nightmare. And at some point, now, it might be at a million dollars, it might be at $2 million, it might be at $20 million. It's not likely at $20 million, but in those under $5 million ranges, everybody has some place where they really realize that unless they're focusing on the future of the company, things just keep falling off the table. And that's the business side of it. Also, because the business personal life aspect is often tied together personal lives start to suffer too. And a number of people realize they just have run out of time. They've run out of time and they've run out of energy and something that they love, they don't love as much anymore. The realization that this business owner is just getting into stagnation and frustration, 
is quite challenging for them. And that's about the first time they start reaching out. Is that what you find? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times it's not even only them. It could be a spouse that gives them an ultimatum or points that out to them. Or they find themselves not being the person that they had wanted to be. It's so exciting in the beginning. I often use the analogy that in the beginning, a lot of times, it's you're like riding a unicycle, right? It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of balance. And you feel like you're working really hard, but you're not really going very far or very fast. And when you add that second wheel and you make it into a bicycle, I mean, the momentum and the ability to get further and bring the whole organization further is really astounding. A lot of the times people are surprised about how quickly things can start moving once they think a little bit differently on how to organize their business and work with another person. I imagine there's a lot of fear at first. What is this other person going to do that I can't do? And can I ever find someone that's really worthy? How does that play out for you? Um, it does. I, you know, in the beginning, when we reach that point and someone's made the decision to move forward and think about adding someone there to their team, I have a planning process where we just track for as many as days as I can get them what they do every day. And then we go through and sort of determine how is it benefiting the business? How is it benefiting uh, the customers? How is it benefiting them personally and operationally? And when you start pulling that stuff all apart, they start realizing that they might see everything as one big Gordian knot, big ball of yarn. But really, there's lots of pieces there that can be broken apart into different things. And ironically, a lot of times when they start doing that, they start realizing that there's things that they don't really like to do, but they didn't really realize it or things that they really shouldn't be doing because somebody else at either less money or more skilled could be doing it better than them. And it's an interesting process because I have people that will, for sure, they're never going to give something up. And then within a couple months, they're like, I cannot wait to get somebody to take care of this for me. So I always laugh at that. And I'll say, I always remind them, remember when you were never going to give this up and now you can't wait? And I think it's just an awareness process of having a coach. I'm sure both of you have that all the time when you're pointing things out to the clients that you work with, too. It's actually a lot of fun because <laughs> as coaches, we see it so early, but you want them to discover it. And it's quite a process. When going after a number two, what's your process in defining the characteristics or skill sets needed for that number two? That's a fascinating question. There's a great article. It's an older article, but it's one of the ones that I think has done the best job of defining that. It was called Second in Command. It's a Harvard Business Review article. And it said the really fascinating thing is that there are tons of magazines out in the world for like chief financial officer, chief marketing officer, chief talent officer, chief technology officer, chief information officer. There is no magazine for chief operating officer. And one of the reasons that that is is because the chief operating officer or the number two, small companies would be a number two or they could be any number of positions, is usually always and or usually they are the person that's a complement to whoever the CEO is. So if the CEO comes out of operations, then the COOs might have to come out of technology or finance or marketing and similarly vice versa. So that makes 
finding a second in command, both sometimes really challenging because there is no specific definition, but on the flip side, it's also really liberating because what you can do is look at your own talents and skills and figure out who your complement is. So that's how we always start. We say, what are you do best? And then what would make you and what you do grow even faster and further? And Shai, I know you really depend on your number two. And what are your thoughts? So I was fortunate because I had someone that was a part of my team and had really displayed such great leadership skills almost from the beginning. And she was someone that I really admired her leadership style. It was really obvious early on to me that she had a lot of strengths that were complementary to mine. Another way of saying that is she was good at a lot of things that I was horrible at. <laughs> and so and so what happened is is at first I feel like we really had a struggle in our relationship because our styles were so different. And then when I came to realize just how effective she was, and that took a lot of maturity on on my part, I think, because at first I was really frustrated, like, why does she do things so differently than I do? And then I came to really admire and appreciate just how good she was at her job and how well she managed her team. And so I kept promoting her. <laughs> and now she runs a company that I'm still the managing partner of. And, you know, I really look up to her and, and she's been a great leader. And, and much like Gina was talking about, what's interesting is she's extremely good on the operational side. And she's also good with people. And it's been amazing to watch her develop in both of those ways. And I think of myself is I came up and initially started companies based on operational experience. And I came to just hate operations, <laughs> you know, so I, it was kind of the, the same experience. Like I couldn't really wait to be able to transition out of the operational work. And over the years, just was really lucky to develop this great relationship with someone who was just ready to go. And ever since she's taken the reins, she's done so much more with the company than I could have been able to do. So it's just been amazing and really rewarding relationship and great to watch. I like to say that your experience is not unique at all. It's awesome that it worked out that way, especially that somebody was internal. And we often look within an organization to see if there is that person, because if there's somebody that's already aligned with you and your values in the company, wow, is it that so much easier to pull them through and to help them grow. But I wanted to comment on something that you said. I think a lot of times what happens is that we as leaders think that things have to be done a certain way, especially when you've been doing a lot of the tasks. And what I often coach people to do is focus on the results that you want to get out of that person as opposed to how they do it. Because what I found, especially for people that's been doing a lot of those tasks, they think there's only one way to get things done. Even though they're the most creative problem solvers, on the other hand, it's a really interesting dichotomy to watch. I don't know if that's been your uh, experience as well. Yes, that absolutely has been my experience. And it takes a while to get over that, right? I mean, that's a lot about what you learn in coaching and a lot about what I've learned from my coaches. At some point, you have to get out of your own way. Now we laugh about it all the time. I feel like whenever I jump in, <laughs> I just mess everything up, <laughs> you know, because uh, they have such a good flow and they know what they're doing and they have really strong leadership. And so I'm just there now to support and make sure they have the resources they need to do a great job. And, and of course, I work on the high level strategic positioning within the marketplace, 
forging new relationships. You know, we divested a line of business last year and we're looking at other opportunities. And it's so liberating to be able to focus on those big picture things. And it took a long time to get there, but it's been very rewarding. People, I think, a lot of times underestimate how much space the creative process takes to be really strategic. And that those times when you're probably not really doing anything can be some of the most productive as a true executive leader that's leading the charge with strategy and forward-thinking opportunities for our company. I've seen people sabotage adding a good person onto their team because Mm. they don't want to leave, right? (laughs) So one of the things I really encourage people to do through the beginning process is to figure out what they like to do both professionally in their companies and personally as well, because a lot of times they've let some of that stuff slide. And I think if they don't have like a vision, a personal vision about where they want to be and who they want to be, what happens, I've seen them sabotage the relationship because they'll start finding things to pick on that person. But if they have a place that they really want to get to, like one of my clients the other day said to me, she just hired a new person and she said, I have never been so ready to have somebody come on board. I am so sick of doing this stuff. And I think it's taken three, four, five months to get to that position. I don't think that's what she would have said to me five months ago. And so I really think that vision of where you want to be is super important. And it really is probably one of the most important things to make the whole process be more successful. Yeah, I agree, Gina. And I'm curious in your work with other companies, What experiences have you had and what challenges have you seen when people are first, you know, again, I was lucky in my case because I had someone that I'd I'd like to think I brought along who was really just a great candidate and it worked out. Have you seen other examples in your experience where people are trying to find the right person? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I have some client stories, but I have a, a success story that's from my publisher and it's just been phenomenal. It's been fun to have like a first row seat and she's talked a lot pretty openly about some of the challenges that she has. Angela Loria is my publisher, and she also helped me write my book last year. She started as a book coach a number of years ago, and in 2014, decided to do it full-time. And we were talking about her history, and she's let me use it as a case study because it is really exciting. But in uh, 2014, she published 40 books and generated about a quarter million dollars worth of revenue, and she had three part-time staff. And over the last three years, she's built her business on a really quick pace. And because of this is the challenge that she's been going through, and this is what I do, we talk a lot about it. And when she was finding some of the challenges, she loved her team. But what she found, she didn't like managing her team. That's what she found. She loved them. She thought they were really skilled, but she had a sense that she might be holding them up because she was struggling. And they were making her crazy because... She used to do everything, and then now that she has so many people, why couldn't she do better? So they had tremendous growth. The next year, they published 60 books. 2015, they posted a million bucks worth of revenue, and they were up to eight people. And then last year, I think by the end of the year, they were around 13 people, and they posted about $3 million of revenue and almost 100 books. And this next year, they're going to get up to over $7 million dollars. And they are going to publish like 150 books. And last week, she just announced they now have 29 full-time and part-time people on. And most of them are W-2 employees. They're not just 1099. 
And so she was talking about, uh, about a month ago, she announced that she just hired her COO. Now, through this process over the last three years, she'd had a number of number twos, like your virtual assistant is your number two when you're a solopreneur, right? And then she added a chief marketing officer who, in a sense, was her number two. And what she noticed is that when she hired the COO last month, the thing she said to me was, what I realize now is I've hired somebody that I can truly let go of the execution. And my job is to figure out how to get out as many of the jobs as I've had. She said, that's my number one job. The last three months and this whole next year is to get out of as many day-to-day things as possible. Because everything that she touches that has somebody else's responsibility as well, she goes, I tend to screw it up now because I get in their way because they want to do their job, but they want to do their job in the best way possible. And that's their only focus. And my number one job is to make sure the company has a strategy and a future. And if I don't do that, then 29 other people, as well as all the clients we serve, are going to run into problems. And I think it was just a fascinating story. And so I asked her about what the COO, what kind of a position that she wanted with that. And she said, I really wanted someone that was really smart, smarter than me at getting stuff done and managing people. Because she said, my heart is wanting to give as much to my clients and my people. But I realized that in order to do that, I really needed somebody at it to help me do that. And I couldn't do both anymore and serve the company and serve myself. Plus, she was working crazy hours. I mean, 100 hours a week was not uncommon. And that just takes a toll. You can do that for a while, but you can't do it forever. Yeah, it's amazing how much abuse business owners will apply to themselves before they really see the light. It's challenging because this is their baby. This is what they work so hard for and they dream for. Letting go is tough. Finding that number two seems to be a daunting task. Can you give us a thought about what some mistakes might be in going about getting that number two? Yeah, I think the number one mistake in finding the number two is hiring the wrong person for you. A lot of times people do two things. They either hire someone just like them because they're like so excited that they have somebody to talk to that's just like them and that gets them because a lot of times it's kind of a lonely place to be or they hire the exact opposite or someone who's not aligned with their vision for the company. And in both scenarios, they don't work. In the first scenario, they don't work because if somebody's just like you, they probably aren't going to want to do the same things that you don't want to do. And a lot of times, that's going to be a conflict that's going to be challenging to resolve. If you hire someone opposite of you, in the beginning, it might seem like it works, But what happens is that it starts to be very contrary. The things that you were excited about that they work on, they're not so exciting. So I often say what you need to do is find somebody complimentary. And by complimentary, typically that means there are things that you have in common, but you take different responsibilities for different things within even the same project. And again, it goes back to something that I think Shai said, you know, the the best number twos for a creative or a person with the intellectual property or somebody that has an eye on execution and strong coaching and coordination skills. And the CEO needs to focus on the strategy and the future rocks or uh, mountains that the company is supposed to climb. And defining that in advance And knowing how you want to work that relationship in advance will help you find that person. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Gina. We really enjoyed our time with you. Thanks, Craig and Shai. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think that if they are interested and if they find themselves in the situation where they're thinking they might need to add somebody to their team, I'd like to give them a copy of my book. And they can find that at www.tandemleadershipbook.com forward slash B-I-Z-O-W-N-E-R-S, tandemleadershipbook.com forward slash biz owners for specific to your listeners. And I have a few uh, print copies of the pre-release print copies available. And so they can either download an e-copy or I will send them an actual print book. That's fantastic. And thanks so much. Look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Our guest today has been Gina Catalano, author of the Amazon Kindle bestseller, Tandem Leadership, How Your Number Two Can Make You Number One. You can learn more about Gina, as well as find links to her book and free download in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Align for Business. That's Align, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, we would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.